This month we've um, been, last Sunday was the first Sunday, and we've been in a series entitled Engage, or the Rules of Engagement. Um, engaging into what God is doing in the earth. And the first rule of engagement last week was putting yourself in a position to receive the preached word. If heaven and earth passes away, but his word never passes away, then I need his word. And the Bible says that faith and trust, as Jessica was talking about earlier, that faith and trust comes from hearing the word and, and the word that I'm hearing becoming established on the inside of me. That's what makes the difference. First rule of engagement is the preached word and you believing in it. I'm going to share several things with you today that you, you know, I, I'm not going to go into detail about a lot of it today. We've preached, uh, everything I'm sharing with you today, we've preached over and over and over again for 27 years because we believe in it. But I, I'm, I'm going to make certain points today, but the points that I make, it doesn't mean that because I preach something to you that now you're going to believe that. You have to take what you hear and develop a belief system for yourself. You've got to believe that it's true. Amen? Last week we talked about, <clears throat> and, and this month of engagement is centered around our, our connection groups that we're, we're signing up for next Sunday and the Sunday after that. And on the 28th also, which is a connection Sunday, we're going to, we're giving you, some of you that have been here for a season or for a while that aren't members of the church, we're going to give you some explanation on what it means to be a member at Gates of the City and, and the importance of that and just give you an opportunity to, to sign the bylaws of the church and, and be, a, be a member of Gates of the City if that's your desire. But we're going to talk about the importance of it. You don't want to sign anything if you don't believe in it. Number one, if you're not a part of the body of Jesus Christ, membership here really doesn't mean anything. You know, it, we're not just another social club. We're part of what God is building in the earth. And, and, I, and I said part. We're not the thing that God is building. We're part of what God is building. Because God is building his church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. We just want to be a part of what he's building, right? So today... Just uh, kind of as a, as a reminder of what we shared a little bit last week, we talked about the house of God, the church, and the body of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the house of God is where the presence of God was. The house of God, the temple of God, was where the, the, the Holy of Holies was, where the Ark of the Covenant was, the presence of God. And, and the Bible says that God's eyes and his heart were on his house. In the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 3.15, it says that the house of God is the church, the pillar of truth. And, and in Ephesians 1, in verse 21 and 2, it says that the church is his body. The church is his body. The house is the church, and the church is his body. The house is the church, and the church is his body. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says, if you don't correctly discern and have a revelation of the true body of Christ, then you're going to be weak and sick and without power. No power, no strength, weakness, and sick all the time. Not because you don't have a revelation of the fact that the body of Jesus Christ is alive in the earth and everything that 
Jesus Christ on Calvary produced for you and I is still working today. And we have to know that and, and experience it. Okay? And so in Matthew chapter 16, in verse, verse actually it's about verse 13 through 19, in there the, the disciples, Jesus came to his disciples and he said, who, who do men say that I am? He was asking them a question about what people outside were saying of their group. But what he was wanting was some form of revelation coming from inside. He said, who, who, do, who do they say I am? Well, they say you're Elijah or one of the prophets or whatever, good man. You know, you're doing good things. And he said, but, but who do you say that I am? And he spoke this to the twelve. And Simon Peter jumped up out of the twelve and he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and he said, Jesus told Peter, he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And he said, on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. And the rock, the rock there is not Peter. Some denominations have preached that Peter is the rock and the cornerstone of the church. No, it's not Peter. He told Peter that his comment, his response had to do with the revelation that he had in his heart. And he said, on that rock, I will build my church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And it's the rock of revelation that you and I have in our hearts. That's what God's building the church with. God cannot build his church with unrenewed people that are bitter in unforgiveness, their judgment, great judgment in their life. They judge other people. There's harshness in their life. God cannot build his church with unrenewed people. It doesn't work. So the responsibility of the church of Jesus Christ is to disciple people, cause their souls to be renewed so that they have this rock of revelation and this, and, and this revelation on the inside of them that God is still alive and that the house now is the church and the church is his body and we all make up the body of Jesus Christ. See, what Jesus did in the earth, no one man will do in the earth. I'm going to say it again. What Jesus did in the earth in three and a half years of his earthly ministry and the miracles and manifestations, no one man will accomplish that. That will now be accomplished by the masses coming together, all the parts making up the body of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, I'm the church. Say it again, I'm the church. I am, okay? I'm the church. You're the church, but I'm a part of it. And what, 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 makes, it, what makes it is the connection. See, as we interlock together, and now my part and his part are that much better, okay? And then his part and her part, and on and on and on down the road. As we connect and we believe in this thing together, and we believe in each other, there's nothing that can stop the church. The church is the hope of the world. Not the Democrats or the Republicans or anybody. It's the church. It's the church. Amen? And so, today, I just have a couple things... Uh, well, actually, 42 passages of Scripture today, <clears throat> but we'll only get to five. Um, I, I have just a couple things that I want to read. I, I want to I look at what Jesus said about his church, and, and I want to look at the different facets of it that a lot of times we miss because we don't understand what the church is. 
See, m many people think that the church is just some little side thing that we go to on Sunday when we have time, you know, and, and it's just some little side event or whatever. It's just some building on a corner or, you know, here, a building on a hill. Um, it's just some building in town that we go to and we see everybody and we, uh, we all get dressed a certain way and we think about all those kind of things. Well, that, that's not the way it is here because we've taught that, you know. It, it's about our connection with each other. But, but in, in the world, the world's mentality of the church is very weak because we don't understand several different words that Jesus uses for the church and what it really means. In other words, what I'm going to tell you today, you have to get revelation of, okay? So in Matthew 5 and verse 13, <clears throat> I, was, I was on this hill in Israel, amazing place where Jesus, what, what we call the Beatitudes, where he delivered this message on the hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And um, he delivers this, and he says in verse 13, he tells the people, you're the salt of the earth. I'm telling you today, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. You're a city that is set on a hill a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket or under a bed, but, it, but, it's, but a light is put on a lampstand. So we have to see ourselves as a city. Everybody say a city. Is there one member to a city? No. No, there's many members, right? So we have to see ourselves, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Jesus Christ is like a city where? That's set on a hill. For everybody to be able to see. It, it, it's like a candle that's lit in a dark room to be put on a candle stand so that it lights the whole room up. So that it affects people everywhere. See, we're, we're created to be about other people and not about ourselves. We're, we've been created to live our lives believing that God has taken care of us already and that the rest of the world needs the help of God through us. That's the way we view it. That's the way Jesus said for us to view it. Um, in Matthew 18, <clears throat> like I said, I'm just going to read a few verses and then get kind of to my point. Matthew 18, and um, I'm going to start with verse... Um, Let's just start with verse 15. I'm going to read from 15 to 20. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take what you one or take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him, be to you, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So, what, what, what is that? I mean, what does that have to do with anything? Jesus is 
reading in here along, and all of a sudden, he says, this is the way you're able to handle a situation that gets stirred up. Randy does something, and, it need, and, and, and God says it, that needs to be addressed, so I just go to Randy. Just as an individual, not as his pastor. I'm just talking about as an individual. He's done something. I get this in my heart. There's a breach between us. Randy, what happened? Man, I don't know. You know, we get to talking. Randy says, you know, what I said was wrong, and I, I repent. Boom, done. Finished. What happens in most situations where there's division? Randy does something. I go over to Tony. Let me tell you what Randy did. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? He, yeah, can you believe that? Huh? That's what happens. See, but, but <clears throat> listen, when we understand rules of engagement where the church is concerned, then we follow the word. We're not talking about following the world. This isn't politically correct in how to handle the situation right here. And some of you sitting out here today... It's really not. <laughs> Maybe some of you sitting here today, that really steps real hard on your toe. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that to step on your toe. I'm telling you, there is a system, there's a government in the earth called the church. And that government liberates and releases and delivers people if you stick to the plan. You get to the plan, and I'm telling you to work it out. Every single time. Because Jesus says that... And then he goes right into this. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done to them on my Father in heaven. For where two or three are what? Gathered. Everybody say gathered. gathered. Where two or three are gathered. Where two or three or more are gathered, who's in the midst? God. In the midst of what? Difficult situations. Situations that get stirred up. Listen, you got more than two people together, something's going to get stirred up. That's why, that's why groups of 25, 30 people, I don't care if it's church or anything else, they have such difficulty staying together. Why? Because there's such division. Why? Because they don't know God. Oh, yeah, because we didn't do what the pastor said. It has nothing to do with it. Nothing. If, if, if you think that it's because of what I'm saying today that, that, is, that that's the rules of engagement, what I'm saying, it's because of what, who I'm speaking for. See, these rules of engagement and connection and things really happening, signs, wonders, and miracles really happening in the earth, they come from a relationship with God. See, with a relationship, you will not have a relationship with God apart from this. So that means when you have a difficult situation arise and you go to the Word, you know what you'll find? This. You know why? Because God wants it dealt with. Why don't we go to 15 other people and tell them what happened? Has anybody ever done that? I have. Somebody did something wrong, something hurt my feelings or whatever, I've gone to other people. I've gone to my wife and said, you know, those people, right, right, right. Today, when my wife and I talk about something that's not right, we don't hammer people. 
We don't talk bad about people because our words have power. And you know what they do? Our words put people in bondage and keep them in bondage. Something that somebody's working through, if I'm cursing them with my mouth, it'll affect their life. People say, well, hey, I don't believe that. It's because you don't believe this. Death and life are in the power of what you say. See, the word always brings us back to what's right. Every single time. No matter what. Can you say amen? So, I was just doing some figuring the other day about the power of agreement. There's almost 28 million people, probably by next week there will be, 28 million people in the state of Texas. We just need two more months and, and we'll be up to 28 million because they say a thousand people a day are moving into the state of Texas. <laughs> so just a little bit longer, it'll be 28 million. So 28 million people and 55% of the 28 million are religious. And you're included in that religion, in being religious. It says we're religious. So as I dug a little deeper, like how many people believe in Jesus? Well, somewhere between 40 and 45% of Texans believe in Jesus. Okay, so, so let's, just say, let's just say there's 12 million believers in the state of Texas. Okay? Let's say that there, there was a specific need in the state of Texas that was going to take a lot of money. It was going to take $100 million. You realize that if 12 million Christians just in the state of Texas all came forward with a $10 bill, we'd have $120 million to meet a major need. I mean, I'm giving you large figures of people. But what can happen in a congregation of people like this if they really all come together? If we learn the rules of engagement and the principles of what God is building in the earth, if we learn that and we become convinced of it, I'm telling you we can't be stopped. See, our judgments of people in situations are what get us in trouble. The Bible's very clear about the judging of life, leaving it to, to God. Paul said these, he, he made these two statements. He said, I considered a very little thing to be judged by you because I'm judged by God. And then he said this, I don't even judge myself by myself. In other words, I don't judge myself based on my unrenewed mind who wants to give myself a break every single time something goes wrong. I don't judge myself by my... I judge myself... By, the, by God, in other words, by the Word of God. And when I judge myself by God and not by my own soul or what other people think, it's amazing how it clears up my thinking. And it's amazing how strong my agreement can be about something that God is doing in the earth. In the church, God is doing things and He's establishing things and He's building things. And the stronger that the church gets the stronger that the world will get. But the church will never get stronger than the families. The church will never be stronger than the family units. You know why? God created the family units. So we have to understand the rules of engagement where 
the family units are concerned. Now, a couple things that, um, that, that I, just names that God uses for the church or for the people of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and just verse 15. <clears throat> Ephesians 3 and 15. Well, look at verse 14. This is a prayer that Paul prayed. Those, those, those people at Ephesus, they needed a lot of prayer because Paul prayed three different prayers for them. Anyway, verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 15, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The whole family. Everybody say the whole family. So we're a part of something that is a family. We're a part of something that is the family of God. It's, it's the house, it's the church, it's the body of Jesus Christ that is a family. It's a worldwide family, but it, there's sections of family. Like this morning in this room, in this place, that, that we are a section of, or a part, a gathering of what God is building in the earth, and God has called us family. Say this after me. I am part of the family. We are family, right? Me and Becky, my children, and me. <laughs> We're family, right? Well, family is good, but there's something about family today in the year 2016 that... There's a lot of it out there that people say is family that's not what the Bible says is family. Now, you can't misunderstand what I'm saying. The Bible is absolute. What, what the Bible says is true, and you have to believe that. Nobody can force you to believe that the Bible is absolute. So, has anybody, since you've been saved, come across certain passages of scripture that you didn't know before I mean everybody right okay so so you're reading something or you're hearing something preached and you go man I don't know about that so then you take what you heard and you go to the word and you study it out for yourself so that you believe it is truth and that's the way it has to be see nowhere anywhere does the bible talk about people forcing people to believe this if you've been forced to believe the word, you don't really believe it. You have to believe it because of your love for God, right? And so there's things about family today that I'm going to just read out of here. And God didn't say in here that, well, this is the way family is except for later on in life, except later on in the years. You know, this is year one in, in the Bible here, the first few years of the church and and, uh, well, but when we get down in the 2000s, you know, things will be different. No, he didn't say that. This is just truth. So in Colossians 3, in verse 18, we see the family. So we're family, right? We're part of the family of God. And the, and the family of God is made up of individual families, right? And this is the family. Verse 18. Wives, submit to your own husbands, as is 
fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So the definition of family from the Bible is wives submit, husbands love, and children obey. And I, and, and I don't have to tell you that is not politically correct. Not in the day we live in. But that's Bible correct. Okay, so if you're in a family right now that is not like this, does that mean you're bad and you're off and you're whatever? Absolutely not. No, this is the plan. This is the pattern. Is it a good thing that my wife and I have been married for 37 years? Is that a good thing? I mean, that's a positive thing, right? I mean, we don't go around, I mean, you all honored us and we appreciate, you know, the honoring, but we don't go around thinking that we're better or more special than someone else because we've been married 37 and maybe somebody else had, was divorced and been remarried or whatever. I mean, God takes us where we're at. This is just the plan. Is, is it a good thing that all four of my daughters love God? Okay. Are they perfect? Pretty close. No, I'm just, but they're not perfect, but they love God. They're born again. They're in church. They love God. They're, they, they, they just love God, right? Is that a good thing? Yeah. There, something went right along the way because they love God and they're in church and we've been married 37 years. Hmm? It's called the grace of God. But for the grace of God, we'd all be in hell. Not because I'm so sharp, I promise you. Huh? Not because I've been the best husband and father that the world has ever known. No, absolutely not. I can tell you my mistakes. We could sit here for a while and I can tell you the mistakes that I've made as a husband and a father. But the grace of God, you see? And, and, and the pattern and the plan that is here, I'm choosing to stay with it even in the midst of times when it says that's not popular. We're staying with it. We're going to stay connected to God. It's the plan. What is it? Wives submit, husbands love, children obey. And the thing with submission, loving, and obeying is that the people that it's their responsibility to do what I just mentioned, the wife, the husband, and the children. How many children we have in here today? Everybody. Everybody's a child. Everybody had parents, or you wouldn't be here, and everybody is a child. Okay, and get me when I say this because I'm, I'm, I'm blending these two together. Okay, there's the family and then there's the family of God, right? But nowhere in scripture does it say that the husband is to force the wife to submit. Submission is between the wife, not a woman. It's not a woman submitting to a man. Nowhere in the scripture does it say that. We're talking about roles in a marriage relationship. Nowhere does it say the husband is to force the wife to submit. The submission is something that she chooses to do because of her relationship with God. Because she's going to learn what it means to obey this. You see? Nowhere in the Word does it show that the wife is to force the husband to love her. Yeah, but, you know, Pastor, you, you don't know my wife. And... Uh, if I'm not supposed to make her submit, she's just never going to do it. Then you know what? She never will. Because the more she's forced, 
she's out. If I was a woman, I'd be out too. Gone. See, if she's forced to do something that the Bible doesn't say she's supposed to do, or he's forced to do something, or if the children... Notice what it says about the, the, the father and the children just right after this. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. In other words, don't force them. You can't force submission. Obey. Tell me you're going to obey. Tell them you're sorry. That's going to do a lot of good. We've all done it. But that ain't going to do no good. Now, there's times as parents when they're going to do what I said because I said it, especially at certain ages. They're going to do it because I said it. I don't care. We'll talk about the rest of it later. But does that mean, in saying what I just said, does it mean that the individual that didn't submit... Does it mean if they're connected with God that there's not going to be a time when they come and say, you know what, I've had a rebellious attitude here, I haven't submitted, and I'm telling you today, God's dealt with me and I'm going to submit. You know where that comes from? A husband that prays for his wife. Hmm? Listen, I don't know about you, I mean I can say it with my wife, submission from the woman to a husband seems unfair. Because I've known a lot of women that are smarter than the men are. <laughs> but see, when has God ever done anything that's easiest? See, the submission thing doesn't sound fair to me. But it's not my plan. It's his. And the more we stick with it, the more things will manifest and happen in the earth. It solves, when you do it God's way, it always solves the problem. See, when a husband has done a wife wrong, and he's not loved her the way Christ loves the church, then in his relationship with God, what should come out of him is a repentance for not doing something right. And when there's real repentance, okay, then it's not him submitting to her. When will you, when, when is it right for God to submit to us? When was that time? Okay. There'll never be a time where, I didn't say men to women, I'm saying husbands to wife. There'll never be a time, there's never a time where a husband should submit to his wife in marriage. There should never be a time ever when parents should submit to the children's ways because they're tired of dealing with them. Ah, we'll just do it your way. Never. Ever. Ever. The Bible's so very clear about this. Never is there a time when that will happen. But that doesn't mean that there's not what I just said. See, because what we're working out in this thing is not, is not you know, we've... Most people have watched too many movies about relationships. From all the actors that have been divorced six times. And we got it built up in our mind that 
romance and all this kind of stuff is a certain way when, when there's true romance, but getting to it God's way is a little bit different than Hollywood. And there's some stuff along the way. You ever watch the commercials, the beer commercials, when all the guys, everybody's having such a great time, you know, drinking beer and whatever, but they don't show all the guys getting drunk and vomiting and the stuff the next morning, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, it's always the beer commercials that are the best. You know, I'm, you know, if you drink beer, whatever, just, you know, control yourself and whatever you do. But I'm saying, you know, they show these commercials, but the guy's been out drinking all weekend long. And I mean, that's not fun. Huh? And, and what the movies make it look like that it is in marriage, marriage is not all fun. It's just not. It, it, it's, it's work. <laughs> There's, you, you get a man, a male man, and a female man together in one room, and, and, and I mean, there is major differences involved. And don't tell me there's not going to be heat and disagreements and arguments and all those kind of things. We don't have to divorce because we disagree. We don't have to go the other way. We can get into this right here and connect with this, and, and, and amazing things can happen in our lives. And listen, if you can work through something instead of running off from each other, if you can work through something and get to the bottom of it, what your marriage can be like, but what you can do to help other people with. See, if we just run, if you've ran, okay, whatever. Lots of people ran. Lots of people have thrown in the towel. I was talking about last Sunday that my wife and I, when we started having kids, we were connected with, I don't know, eight or ten different families. And all but two of those, I think, ten families that we were connected with, they're all divorced. All of them. We start having kids. We're in church together and everything. And, and eight of the ten couples are divorced today. <clears throat> Why? Only difference in them and us, we just didn't quit. We had every opportunity to, to divorce. We just didn't quit the word. We didn't quit the word. When you don't quit the word and you stay with the word, the word will see you through. Right? But when you bail from the word and you start trying to imagine and figure things out yourself, there's no answers. And then you got to bail, right? And, and we, we want to stop the bailing. We, we, we want no more casualties. Can you say amen? I mean, I mean, everybody at the sound of my voice today, everybody's had disagreements. If you're married, if you're not married yet, you know, listen to what I'm saying. Get ready, you know. Get ready for, for something awesome when you have the authority and the power to work through it. Didn't say there's not going to be disagreements and, and issues that you have to deal with because there will be, but in the power of God, in the authority of God, you can bind and loose and be it, get in a place of agreement. Any two agree is touching anything that they ask, it will be done. There's no greater power of agreement in the earth than two individual people that have individual spirits but are one flesh, there's no greater power. And that's why every time that married couples start getting stronger and coming together, the devil freaks. He goes in panic mode because when a married couple gets together, they get answered prayers. And I mean, all they do is contaminate other people with answered prayers. And that's the way it should be in the earth. Everybody say, we're family. Amen? And in family, there's disagreements. Well, in the church family, it's no different. There's disagreements. There's issues. There's stuff. There's things that come between each other. And listen, 
After 27 years of pastoring and a lot of different issues through the years with people, I've learned some things. If I had it to do over again, I'd probably do the same thing. But, you know, you always hear people say, if I had it to do over again, I'd do it like this. No, you wouldn't. If you did it over again, it'd be the same set of circumstances. You'd do the same exact stuff. Now, on this side of 2020, we're able to understand things in a better way, and God wants us to grow in how we deal with relationships. See? Today, I will never force anybody. I never really forced anybody. I just strongly encourage people to make strong decisions about something. But I will never force anybody to submit to what I say. I give them what I'm saying. You can choose to do it or not. And the Bible's real clear that if you don't submit and obey the things that are required of you from certain people in your life that are over you, then there's a place of rebellion. People don't like to hear it. It's just the, tr it's just the absolute fact and truth. We don't understand family. We don't understand submission. We don't understand how to flow with one another in specific ways. And because of that, then we misunderstand what's really going on in the earth. We misunderstand what family really looks like and what church life really looks like. Amen? So, um, just a couple more things that I, that I want to finish with here that I, I want to drive this point home with. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 1, and actually I'm going to read this out of the message. You got that up there? Yeah. So, here's, here's a passage about how we handle things day to day. Notice what he says. This is Paul to the church at Corinth. And how dare you take each other to court? When you think you have been wrong, does it make any sense to go before a court that knows nothing of God's ways instead of a family of Christians? A family of Christians. Verse 2. The day is coming when the world is going to stand before a jury made up of followers of Jesus. If someday you're going to rule on the world's fate, wouldn't it be a good idea to practice on some of these smaller cases? I imagine. Why, why, why we're even going to judge angels. So why not these everyday affairs? Verse 4. As these disagreements and wrongs surface... Why would you ever entrust them to the judgment of people you don't trust in any other way? Now here is, is a passage of Scripture, and there's a lot more to it, but I don't have the time to get into it. But here's a passage of Scripture that talks about how we as a body and as a family of people, that we have to grow up in our relationship with God to be able to get over and get through the differences that we have. You know, you, you in your life are stronger when you're connected with somebody that's going to be in agreement with you, husband and wife, but friends and, and, and church family and everything else. You're going to be that much stronger when you're able to work through some of these little situations. I mean, yeah, we're, we're, we're the family of God. We're going to live together forever. We might as well be able to deal with differences and issues down here. And do it God's way. Not do it demanding something or forcing something or, or putting some kind of pressure on people to make decisions. But 
helping people and encouraging people and allowing people to understand how beneficial it is for you to judge yourself, to look at your own heart, to look at yourself instead of always judging other people with things worse than what it appears that they're in. Because so often when my judgment of someone else is based on the what I think, I don't really understand where they're coming from. And that takes time and it takes the development of relationship. And God wants the family of God and the church of God to engage in principles like this that the world can look at and say, you know what? There's a difference in those people. And they don't fight with each other. They're not bickering with one another. There's, there's, some, there's a difference. People want to come and be a part of a place where, where people have answers. You don't think so. You don't think that when, when you're in a, in, a, in a church body of people where wives submit to their husbands and husbands really love their wives the way Christ loved the church and that children obey, well, if you see that in the, in the local, in, in, in the individual homes, you'll begin to see that in the body of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the husband, right? He's done the work. From there, we're the bride of Christ. All of us are, right? And we're to do what? We're to submit to Jesus. We're to submit to the word of God. We're to submit to everything that the word says. Well, the, the, you know, a person can say, yeah, I'll, I'll submit to the word. Yeah, but will you submit to the word through man when the word says submit to man? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. It, I told you at the beginning of this message, I'm going to say some things that you've got to work out. I don't have time to get into all the, uh, you know, all the particulars and everything that I'm discussing. You've got to work it out in, within yourself. But the greatest act of obedience that people call it of Jesus in the garden was really the, actually the greatest act of submission that the world has ever known. Jesus is in the garden, and he says this, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus had a different will than the Father, and he submitted to Father. It's the greatest act of submission the world has ever known, and that's what we're to follow after. That when Father's got a better plan and a better idea, I have to learn to submit to that. Can you just figure all that out on your own? No, that's why you need the family. Everybody say, I'm part of the family. We've got to be a part of the family of Jesus Christ. The family of God. Of he uh, that all of heaven and earth it partakes of. There's people that you and I all know that have gone on that are part of the family that are in heaven right now. There are people that are here today that are part of family. There's people coming up behind us that are part of the family or will be part of the family when they accept it. Right? Part of the family. We're the family of Jesus Christ. And God has a way of accomplishing things in the earth where the gates of hell cannot prevail against us in any way, shape, or form, but we have to do it his way. And the first way is we have to learn about family and the family of God. And in learning about the family of God, we learn how our families should operate, and then when our families are operating correctly, then the church is strong. That's the way it works. Strong families make strong churches because the church is family. It's made up of the families of God. Can you say amen?
And one last passage, and then we'll, we'll end with this. Um, I think I'm going to read... First Timothy, chapter three, and then I'll end with this. First Timothy three. He says in verse fifteen, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, or great is the mystery of these things that are hidden like this. Because the truths that I'm talking to you about today are hidden truths. They're hidden from most people. Most people don't understand it. Most people really don't want to take the time because, you know what? We live busy lives, all of us. All of us here today live busy, 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 busy lives. And we don't want to take the time to have to understand how God operates in the earth and what God requires of us and how to implement those things. It's, it, it, it's a difficult thing. But... It's so rewarding and it is so life-changing that in the days that we're living in, if we'll grab a hold of it at here at Gates of the City, if we will connect, when the reason that we're offering connect groups is so that people can connect, so that we can get stronger as family, stronger in relationships. And the stronger that we get in family and relationships, the, 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 the more effective that we'll be because any two agree is touching anything that they ask, it will be done and accomplished. Can you say amen to that? And it, and it will happen that way. And, and so the more that, that we get connected like that as, as family, the more we accomplish. And, and in, in the, at the end of this month, as we, as we open it up for membership and being able to do things, you know, and you being part of this body and, and, the, and being a member of this body, membership is only about commitment. And as you and I are committed to one another and committed to the house, I'm, I'm telling you, there's something that happens in commitment. There's something that happens in the power of agreement, and, and I'm expecting to see that happen. Amen? I'm really expecting to see things begin to change and open up like we've never seen before. How many believe that today?